This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Please be sure to subscribe and share with friends and family. To help support this ministry, please visit walkwiththeking.org forward slash donate. Thank you for listening. All right, thank you very much. And hello again, radio friends. How in the world are you? Well, thank God we can be in the world, but not of it. You don't have to be tarred with the world's brush just because you live in a dirty world. Hallelujah for that. Peter says, you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. God's able to save you. He's also able to keep you moment by moment by moment. I remember my good friend Merv Rizal, an evangelist whose name, of course, is known around the world. Great heart for missions and all of that. Years ago, I suppose this story would go back to one of the first times I heard him preach, actually, and that would be in the 1940s. A long time. He was young, so was I. But he told this story. He had been dealing with a gentleman who absolutely could not quit a certain habit. Just couldn't. And he cried, and he prayed, and he tried, and failed, and tried, and failed. And Mervizel said, I asked him, do you think that Jesus could keep you for five minutes? Oh, yeah, I think he could. Well, he said, let's see if he can. And so they prayed, and then they waited, and five minutes went by, and uh, this man had been kept from his habit. Actually, it was smoking. Been kept. Well, Merv said, do you think God could keep you for maybe an hour? Well, maybe so. So they tried an hour, and sure enough, God kept him. And it began to dawn on this gentleman that God keeps you not a day at a time or a lifetime at a time, but a minute at a time. And you pray your way through the situation and you trust your way through segments of time. You and I are looking at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. And Paul is telling something about his ministry among them. What good is it to go back and look back over your ministry to people? Well, it's good for you, and it sometimes is good for them. Paul is telling these people at Thessalonica, you know how I came to you. My ministry to you was not in vain. There's something happened. I was bold in God to speak unto you, and my preaching was clean, and it didn't have any guile in it. I wasn't manipulative, and uh, I was responsible because I was put in trust with the gospel. I was responsible to God. I wasn't trying to cultivate you or flatter you or get something from you. A cloak of covetousness is the phrase that he used. I didn't try to to get some special recognition. Neither of men sought we glory, neither of you nor yet of others. But he said, I was gentle like a nurse and affectionately desirous of you. I was willing to give you my own life. And he said, "I, I worked to support myself so that I wouldn't burden any of you, giving you the gospel of God. And he said, I behaved myself holy and just and unblameably. I behaved myself among you. Now that's as far as we've gotten in, in this review of Paul's ministry. Now you come to verse 11 of, of 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. As ye know, he said, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you as a father does his children, that you would walk worthy of God who called you to his kingdom and glory as a father. Now, he said, as a nurse, up there in verse 7. Uh, now he says, as a father. Uh, my own memories, of course, uh, are filled with the, with the recollection of 
my relationship with Charlie Cook, my own father. Widowed at an early time in his marriage, my sister was 11, I was just a little over one year old, and our dear mother slipped along into the glory. The victim, actually, of uh, people's not knowing what to do in her case of severe hemorrhaging after surgery. Anyway, she was gone, and he took up the task then of rearing his two children by himself. My sister's memories of, of those childhood years are entirely different from my own, for one reason and another. But I have, I have memories that, uh, that relate to a man who was at once completely ruthless in his application of discipline and uh, unspeakably tender in his love for uh, his boy, a father. Uh, I got my share of spankings. I think there was only one spanking, as I remember it, that I didn't think I deserved. <laughs> that's, that's pretty good average for a parent if you, if you only give one spanking out of place, huh? <laughs> I remember Gene Shepard said, the rule is always, always beat a child while you're angry enough to beat him. <laughs> Isn't that terrible? Well, I got my share of, uh, uh, of spankings, and there was only one, I think, that I, I, I really didn't deserve. But anyhow, he would, he would lay on the, the board of education, on the, the seat of knowledge, as they say, and then after it was all over, I remember he would gather me up in his strong arms and, and hug me and dry my tears and assure me that he did indeed love me. Yeah, it's quite a set of memories there. And to me, he typified in many ways the verb forms that are used here uh, in uh, second uh, in First Thessalonians two eleven. He said, "We exhorted." Now I used to I used to resent the fact that he would lecture me. He he generally picked. Well, of course, he was working all day long, so he wasn't home during the day, and I was in school. And then I would come home from school and get supper. That was my job, to cook the supper and wash the dishes. And uh, uh, so then after supper, we didn't call it breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It was, it was, it was supper at night. <laughs> after supper, uh, he would, uh, if he had something on his mind, he'd say, Now, I want to talk to you, boy. And I had to stand there at attention while he lectured me. And I used to get so weary of it physically weary from standing still for a long time and, and, and mentally and emotionally weary from being told where I was off the track. But uh, this is part, actually, I guess, of, of being a parent. Somebody has to tell the, the small person uh, where, they're, where they're making mistakes. And uh, so he said, Paul said, uh, we exhorted. Now, that's a Greek verb parakaleo, which is translated exhort. It also means persuade. And it has in it also a note of love and comfort. Uh, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter, and that's the noun form of this same verb. Parakletos, I guess, is the noun, and this is the verb, parakaleo. Uh, the Spirit of God is the one who teaches us and who comforts us and who shows God's love to us in a persuasive manner. What Paul was doing for these people, and what you and I need to do in our ministry, is not just talk at them, or preach at them, or lecture them, but to persuade them, 
that uh, the will of God is for them and that they need to obey God in a matter. He said, I, I exhorted. That means I used persuasion. Then he said, uh, the next verb you have here in verse 11 is comfort. Now, that's a, that's a Greek verb, paramutheomai, long verb in the, in the middle tense, which means to, to encourage and console. To encourage and console. Uh, they say that a uh, great many children are, are hindered in their growing up years by parents who do nothing but criticize them and tell them they'll never amount to anything. My father said that his stepmother would say to him almost daily, Charlie, cook, you'll never amount to anything. Well, that's bound to put some scars on a person's psyche, I'm sure. But uh, you and I, if we do our job right as parents, are going to encourage people. We're going to, uh, to assure these folk who are under our care that we believe in them and that we think they can accomplish what uh, they ought to as young uh, people growing up in the world. He said, I encouraged you and I consoled you. And then he said, I charged every one of you. Now, the word charge is a word that means call up as a witness, uh, to beseech in God's name, uh, to call as a witness. And I remember, you pardon these personal references, but they are very close to my heart and memory, and maybe they help to help you to identify with some things as well. I remember on one occasion, especially when I was bound and determined to have my way about something. I don't know whether it involved the use of the family uh, Model T or whatever it was. I was uh, in high school, and uh, in, those, uh, in those years, uh, see, I was a senior in high school. That would make me about 15. I graduated uh, just short of my 16th birthday, so 15 years old, and full of uh, bounce to the ounce, you know, and I was arguing about something. And I remember my father saying to me, you know, it would be a lot easier for me to say yes to you, my boy, a lot easier. But he, he sat, and then his eyes would fill up with tears. I remember he just was about to spill over with tears because he was so deeply moved uh, as he said, I'm responsible to God for you. I have to answer to God for you. And so... Although it would be easier to say yes, I have to say no. Well, you see, the, the idea of being responsible to God uh, for the growth and the well-being of somebody is an awesome uh, concept and one that may well indeed give us pause and, and make us consider uh, decisions in a different light than we would have otherwise. Take a moment here just to ask the question, those of you who are parents and grandparents, how well do we fit into this description of what Paul says, as a father? As a father. Do you, do you use persuasion, or do you say, just give a command and, and have a fracas if it isn't obeyed? Persuasion, that's, that's one verb there. Uh, do you encourage people? Do you encourage them and let them know you believe in them? I picked up some some uh, medication at the at the uh, drugstore just last night, actually, and uh, I noticed that the pharmacist had a beautiful sunburn. So I smiled at him. I said, "Hey, Jim, you've been out in the sun." Yes, he said. 
My kids are in Little League, and there were two games back-to-back, and I spent five hours in the sun yesterday. Ah, you see, uh, it means a lot when Dad shows that he cares what's going on and that when his boy or girl comes up to bat, uh, that he says, come on, now you can hit a homer. Hit it out of the park. Encouragement. We need to learn to encourage the people for whom we are responsible. And then, because you are responsible to God, you better remind the folk and yourself with them that he is your witness, that he is your supervisor, and that you're following his commands. Well, those are some concepts, aren't they? And if you're a pastor or a missionary or a Christian worker, the same logic applies. Persuasion, encouragement, and calling God into the act makes a lot of difference in your ministry. Dear Father, today, oh, may we be people who do well in our relationship with those for whom we're responsible. In Jesus' name I pray this, amen. Till I meet you once again by way of radio, walk with the King today and be a blessing.